0: Us apart in order to sanctify us with his commandments, and instructed us to occupy ourselves with the words of Torah. Adonai, our God, please make the words of your Torah pleasant in our mouths and in the mouths of your people, the family of Israel, so that we, our offspring, and the descendants of your people, the family of Israel, all of us, may be knowers of your name and learners of your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who chose us from all the nations of the world to give us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Uh, We begin with uh, a a little funny that I received from a client. We'll see if we can uh, play this and hear it. If you can't hear it, deal with it. 6102049998-45-54610.
1: 6102049998-45-54610.
2: Is that correct? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. I see you live at 736 Montrose Corporate calling from your cell phone. Are you at home? I'm just leaving work, but I'm. Oh, we can deliver to Bob of Supplies. Send the 175 <laughs> Lincoln like Avenue, yes? No. I'm on my way home. How do you know all this stuff? We just got wired into the system, sir. Oh. Well, I'd like to order a couple of your double meat special pieces.
1: Sure thing. There'll be a new $20 charge for those, sir. What do
2: you mean? shows me that your medical records indicate you have high blood pressure me, and extremely high cholesterol. Luckily, we have a new agreement with your national health care provider that allows us to sell you double meat five as long as you agree to waive all future plans liability. <laughs> <laughs> do you have know research? You can sign the form when we deliver, but there is a charge for processing. The total is $67. $67? that includes the delivery surcharge of $15 to cover the added risk to our driver of traveling through an orange zone. I live in an orange zone? Now you do.
1: Looks like there was another robbery on Montrose yesterday. If you ordered our special
2: spread Submarine combo, you accept yourself. Comes with of sticks, <coughs> says they're very...
0: See
1: <laughs>
0: what happens.
1: Oh,
0: man. It's coming, guys. I'm helping bring it on. Hmm. Can that. I can forward that. Yes, we'll forward that to uh, to everybody. Yeah, yeah, please just... Yeah, everybody wants that now. <laughs> All right. That is uh, that is not tonight's class. Uh, speaking about uh, anyone related to our president or our government. <laughs> no, you need the sprouts, baby. That's right. Oh, my. All right. So we're going to... Um, we're going to change the input here somehow. Whoops. mm
3: mm-hmm.
0: If you need help, I can call the. I, yeah, we're going to need some kind of help, yeah. I
3: know
0: a great help. Yeah, thank you very much. That's super. And that still says HDMI. Yeah, and they're pretty close, yeah.
2: Yeah, well, we share office space.
0: EGA. No, sir, of course not. Let me do the How's that? Yeah, we're struggling tonight, men, because we're trying to use a Windows computer. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I found it on the shelf. What can you do? Yeah. Ryan, you're you're wearing glasses. Does that say we're in VGA A over there? Is that VGA A or B?
2: Oh, um, looks like
0: A. Looks like A. A works for me. Still nothing. stop turning around if it looks like something's happening let me know I'm trying to uh, trying to get something to show here. Okay, you talk to me, you know it, son. Thank you. We brought in a new tech. He'll uh, he'll deal with it. This is actually a, um, a presentation I gave literally three and a half years ago about God's calendar. And I want, uh, as I was reviewing it on Shabbat, I just want to walk through it because I think there's a few folks here, um, certainly Alex has never seen it, Alex has only seen me twice, so you know. Um, And that was on the same day. So uh, we'll uh, we'll take a look at God's calendar and then have some discussion about that. Um, While we're uh, while we're doing that, I gave you a little teaser about tonight. Let me get that. So I asked you what do Methuselah, Jeroboam, Belthazar and Nebuchadnezzar have in common? Does anyone know? Methuselah, Jeroboam, Belthazar and Nebuchadnezzar Ooh, now that's very clever. It's completely wrong, but it's very clever. What about their births? Their births. Also, along the same lines, extraordinarily clever, but uh, completely wrong. That's um, Methuselah, Jeroboam, Balthazar, and Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. true I
1: don't
0: know Ryan said it was in VGAA what's that say your, your glasses are thicker than the, 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 the yeah. stuff I drink from come on <laughs> How's that? Try it now, Pete. Oh! That's my boy. Bum bum bump, bum 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 bum. Methuselah, Jeroboam, Balthazar, and Nebuchadnezzar are all. You're going to love this and use it later. I know you will. Are all, believe it or not, sizes of champagne bottles. Yes, it's, uh, it's true. That's included with the magnum, the split, yes, and the normal size. Uh, these are measured by the number of champagne flutes contained in each bottle. It's amazing that all of the larger sizes are, in fact, biblical names. Obviously, Baptists did not make them up. Yes.
3: So, is there 960?
0: <laughs> yes. actually i don't, i don't i don 't think the methuselah is actually the the um, the methuselah has forty eight glasses forty eight flutes of champagne from the methuselah that's that 's a big bottle twenty four glasses from the split uh no jeroboam the jeroboam has Jeroboam has 24 flutes. The Balthazar has 96 flutes. That's so even so bigger that, than the that really Methuselah. Is, that's I mean. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, baby. Nebuchadnezzar, 120 flutes.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, 120. The Magnum's got only 12 flutes in it. I'd like to order a Magnum of champagne.
1: What a wimp!
0: Yeah, okay. So, so seriously, if I go to the wine store... Yes, sir. And ask for a Methuselah of <laughs> a Methuselah champagne. That's right. Yes, that will work. Yes. Now, you know, if if they if they just hired a kid who got fired from Best Buy, yeah, he'll look at you like you've got two heads. But if he knows his stuff, that may not be the case. Here, make that work. Okay. Ah, the the outline. That's great. Yes, we're going to look at the norms for worship and prayer, and we're going to try and create a baseline for the calendar being used in the church today. Go ahead. Um, and uh, since the key to learning is uh, repetition, we will focus on uh, the repetitive cycles in these, uh, these deals here. We'll take a brief tour of calendar history. And then um, when we're done with that, we should have an understanding of what the church is doing with regard to their calendar and and what uh, is biblically there. Um, Finally, we'll uh, take a look at a comparison of the two models. Uh, I'm going to quote Sean Connery as King Arthur uh, in First Night. May God grant us the wisdom to discover the right, the will to choose it, does anybody remember the rest? And the strength to make it endure. So, Pete, the church calendar. First, we've got the Lord's Day and um, Sunday, known as the Lord's Day, uh, in a reference to uh, John, the Apostle, saying that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Uh, Where did he write that? Revelation chapter chapter 1. As he opens up, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. If that's the only thing you've got, and it is, does that, does that tell you whether it's the first day of the week or the seventh day of the week? It does not. It's the, it's the Lord's day, but that's about all we've got. Now, if you were an Orthodox Jew, and he was, what day would be the Lord's day? Shabbat. Well, probably Shabbat, you bet. So, um, that's how he opens that up. The Wednesday night potluck dinners, uh, the Wednesday night prayer services, um, saved for the, uh, the older Baptist church, uh, Tuesday evening prayer groups and so forth, Saturday morning prayer groups. We're going to look at that uh, tonight and uh, see what we've got with uh, the day of the worship on Sunday. So we'll talk about some holidays. Of course, the church is celebrating Christ's Mass on the 25th of December, probably one of the poorest days to choose, but um, hey, that's uh, that's the day they choose. Perha- they chose, perhaps, uh, because they were trying to abscond with some pagan holidays and uh, show the strength of our Redeemer and his ability to conquer uh, the uh, paganness of uh, the world. I'm trying to give them a bye. Easter Sunday, of course, the second holiday on the church calendar. Uh, oh, I beg your pardon. Yes, sir. No, I was just going to make a comment. I think that uh, the 25th of December
2: corresponds with the birth of Mithra.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, there's, I, I can think of four or five different pagan holidays that have been tagged onto that day. No question. It's it's bad. Yeah. I think it. I think it's an I. Actually,
2: Mithra
1: out
0: of the letters. That's pretty scary. Okay. Which, if you play that backwards, the numerical
2: values <laughs> of each letter. That's
0: right. Yeah. All right. So Easter Sunday, uh, celebrating the resurrection of the Messiah, of course, uh, a fixed calendar. In the church, this is always Sunday. That's important to recognize. It's always Sunday. Now, this is helpful if you gather money from the congregants only on Sunday. But I digress. We have uh, churches celebrating Ash Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday preceding Easter Sunday. And uh, we're remembering the women that uh, found him at the empty tomb early in the morning. And uh, this is uh, an interesting text in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, uh, in that the translators of the King James Version chose to actually take the uh, take the Pesach and Convert that to Ishtar. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Ishtar to bring him forth to the people. That is the only reference of the word Easter in the Bible, and yet it is not, not in, the Bible. in the Bible. It is a it is a translation into Old English, and if you look at the Greek New Testament, you find that it's Pesach. So there we have it—an unfortunate mistranslation. So there we have it evidence of the bias of the bias and or ignorance or both and and I would would think that we've tried over the years to recognize this as not a deliberate taint but an ignorance thing an an overlooking a, a zeal for their own practice you know it's funny I don't know how
2: many times I've read this passage and never noticed the word Easter
0: are you reading from the King James? Shame on you. Okay, change to New American Standard, English Standard Version. Any of those will be fine, yes. Okay. So, here is the definition of Easter. Now, I can remember as a young man recently brought into the living faith of Messiah, having grown up in the Methodist church, and I came home one day, sat at the kitchen table with my mother, and said, so... I'm 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 reading now in Leviticus how to determine when Passover is, but I can't figure out when do you get to Easter? What's What's up with that? And we actually had to pull out the Encyclopaedia Britannica, which she had been updating each year with the yearbook and the little stickers at the bottom of each page, and it turned out that Easter is always the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. That's it, gentlemen. That's the definition. That's why Easter is always on a Sunday. And sometimes, it's pretty close to Passover. But not always. It depends on whether the Hebrew calendar is in a leap year or not. If it is, we're way off. The first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox okay I'm looking for the third major holiday in the church and the only thing I could come up with after Christmas and Easter was Halloween now I'm not trying to be flippant and I certainly don't want to be disparaging to the body of Messiah in the visible church or professing Christendom but Halloween on the 31st of October seems to be a a fairly rich opportunity to gather together. Uh, most of the folks that I've met in the church are unwilling to forsake allowing their children to participate in a fun festival and have tried to turn it into a, a festival dealing with agriculture. Right. So this is a fall festival. It just happens to also be on Saturnalia, or on the highest day in the Satanic Church in the Wiccan calendar, um, All Hallows Eve um, on the thirty-first of October seems to be at least an event in the church calendar. So, whether it is or not, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a look at a model of the church calendar. We've got the week represented. Beginning on Sunday and then the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh days. That's the church week model. Would you agree? Okay. Well then, we would then add to it the, the three big festivals or times of gathering and that would be Christmas, Easter, and Halloween. And uh, this is all based on the sun. Because it's Easter, we read is is dealing with the equinox, right? That's you know when we've got an equal distance there. So we um, we have a nice looking calendar. Yes, sir. Well, but it but it clearly demonstrates
1: how uh, a lot of
4: Substantially, all of the traditional Christian calendar is rooted in sun worship.
0: Correct. That's why we have that sun bursting forth from behind it. You bet. There's no question the sun is a major figure here. Because
4: all all of the pagan roots of all of these holidays all go back to some form of sun
0: worship. Exactly. That's exactly right. Okay, so let's take a look at the uh, the months on the calendar that the church is using. Um, Julius Caesar is a is a big guy. He's a big guy. Actually, the the um, the Roman calendar was all messed up. Every month had irregular lengths, and every other year they had to add an extra month of twenty two or twenty three days uh, just to to keep it in sync. Um, the priests in the Roman Empire. Uh, actually exploited this whole deal so that they could keep their guy in office longer. And uh, when Julius Caesar became emperor, he actually had to add 90 days. I know, you think it's the middle of May. It's actually the back end of June. He added 90 days. Actually, that wouldn't even be, that'd be 40. He added an entire quarter to the calendar just to get it right. Right. Because they had messed with it, because it was completely political. So that was 45 uh, before the Common Era. The uh, Julian calendar was uh, in common use until, that's from Julius, right? Was in common use until 1582 when Pope Gregory showed up. Pope Gregory the Thirteenth. That's right. Um, he's changed it to the Gregorian calendar. Uh, but uh, Greece. Russia, some other countries, Eastern Orthodox, are actually still using the uh, Julian calendar. Now, I'm going to teach you some stuff here. Uh, Martius, the month of March, on the Gregorian calendar was the first month. Have you ever thought about this? You've got uh, septum, octum, novum, and decim. What's Decim Ten, seven, what's twelve. what's Novum 11 nine. Um, a nine right what's uh, septum seven. but we get September from seven why is it the ninth month hmm. the answer is because the calendar originally started in March so Septum, Octum, Novum, and Decim for 7, 8, 9, and 10 were actually the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th months, but not if you start at March. I'm reminded of the passage in the scriptures that says, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. Well, Martius was uh, was the first. The... uh, Last four months are not named for, uh, for gods, but uh, the rest of them are. So Janus, Februa, Mars, Aprilis, Maya, Juno, and then of course the Caesars got their own names in there. That was, And of course they were considered gods. Um, they were uh, named after the birth of the... Uh, So Julius was born, of course, in the seventh month and uh, Augustus in the eighth month. That's where we get our our months from. To me, that's appalling. But you wouldn't think so unless you knew that there was an alternative. Let's take, uh, that's the months. Everybody clear on the months? And now you know why September... A word representing seven is really the ninth month, because the calendar actually originally started two months later. Okay, so the end of the calendar was February. Let's take a look at the days. Um, I, sorry, I couldn't help but uh, try and put it in an Italian here. Um, well, we can use any Romance language, but uh, Sunday, sun day. I mean, just reeks of sun worship, as you said. Um, it's, in, it's interesting, uh, Domenica, the Lord's Day in Italian. And that's consistent, I think, with... Spanish, Spanish. Oh, oh no, it's consistent with all the Romance languages. That's not my point. I, I would say it's, it's consistent with what the church believes about the first day of the week. Again, from the Apostle John in the opening of the Apocalypse. I was in the spirit on Domenica. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Moon Day, the second day of the week, um, is consistent Lundi or Lunedi, Lundi in French, Lunedi in uh, Italian. Tuesday or Tears Day, the god Tear, right? Uh, the day of Mars in Italian, Martedi. Huh? Wednesday or Woden's Day—that's that's, that's uh, pretty cool, don't you? Can't you picture a big guy ready to you know beat the snot out of me? Uh, or Mercury and uh, it's very similar in French as well as in Spanish, right? The day of Mercury, Thursday or Thor's Day, get the big horns on the you know on the hat, the whole deal. I mean, can you see the gods here, right? And the day of Jupiter, Jove Friday, Freya's Day, or in French and Italian, the Romance languages, the day of Venus, D. right? And now, Saturday to me is especially curious. In English, Saturn's Day, completing the pagan origin completely. But in the Romance languages, Italian, Sabato, is the Sabbath. Hmm. So I find in the Romance languages an interesting thing, depending on where you are in the church, Domenica at the first day of the week, but still Sabato, the Sabbath, for the seventh day. They knew. They all knew. And of course the Romance languages tend to be strongly Catholic, right? But they knew. Okay. Okay. God's calendar, as you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, evening and morning, God called the light day, the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning, one day, Genesis 1 and chapter 5, Uh, Genesis 1 and verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, let them be for signs and for seasons and for the days and years, these are signals and appointments, signs, the word, oat, seasons. Okay? Signals and appointments. There are seven appointed times. Leviticus chapter 23, we just went through this two, two weeks ago, right? Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, the Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. These are the appointed times of the Lord. Holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. It's an amazing thing that God seems to have this day planner and is looking to meet with us. At that no point they tell us he changed stuff. So just showing
4: someone this passage, you know, should
2: make them think, Wow, I celebrate God's appointed times or man's appointed times.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a little much to believe that just showing them this passage will do it. Because in so doing, you're implying that they've been lied to by everyone they trust prior to that point. So it's a tough speed bump to get over. But you're right. As a, as a man becomes more and more convinced that the Scriptures needs to be the authority rather than those from whom he's heard, eventually you get a guy who says, Wow, what, why are we doing this? And, and now you get a completely new conversation. Exactly right. Yes, I'm To to Johnny's point, I think I'm actually taking right now an online introduction to the Old Testament class as a um, elective during the summer, and uh,
3: in the first chapter, the complete agnostic author of of, of our textbook, Complement, <laughs> uh, flatly makes the point very clear that not only do you know, secular academia know that S- Sunday has uh, replaced these. <clears throat> The Sabbath, that, that that whole concept is man made and, and has no authority in scripture. He he's quoting other Christian sources that acknowledge the fact as well, but but don't you know but
0: for them it doesn't really matter. Don't rock the why, boat. Why do you publish on this exactly?
4: Well, I mean the Catholic Church will openly admit they changed it. Absolutely.
0: But the but the reason they, they changed it is right. because they have the apostolic authority to do so. But even the Baptist Church recognizes that they changed it. And they change it not based on apostolic authority, but they change it, claiming that was for the Jews. We are not the Jews. The Jews have the Sabbath. We have Sunday. Do we keep the Sabbath? No. The Sabbath is that day. For the Presbyterians, in the replacement deal, have no argument at all. Right. And, and your your experience may differ, but I've never met one Christian personally who was aware of that. Secular people can point out inconsistencies in that argument. If they were aware of that, they they would look into it more. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we should point that out. I mean, just you know, to be the fly in the ointment, it's you know incumbent upon us to do that. You know, that's right. It is fun. Seven appointed times: four in the spring, three times in the fall. Not times of the Jews, but God's. Um, The blood moon tetrad, um, three and a half years ago I went through, and it was so far away, it was sad. So I'll uh, um, bring this up just a little better uh, this time. Uh, There was a, a, a blood moon. Does everybody know what a blood moon is? A blood moon is when you have a full eclipse of the moon. So when you have a full eclipse of the moon, the sun's rays cannot bounce off the moon and reflect the light, because the, the moon doesn't generate light, it just reflects the sun's light. So when the sun's rays cannot reach the moon because of the eclipse, the, the the earth is in the way, the sunlight has to pass through the atmosphere of the earth, right, and the atmosphere of the earth filters out most of the blue rays and leaves only the red rays to hit and then reflect off the moon. So the moon looks amazingly red, even blood red. This total lunar eclipse is known as a blood moon. Now, there have been several times in the history of the planet where you'll get four blood moons in a row. Every eclipse of the moon at that point, is total, and therefore a blood moon. You just get four blood moons in a row. Not a a total, then a partial, partial, partial total, but four total eclipses of the moon in a row. That's not every night, because you can only have a total eclipse on a full moon. By the way, did you know that on a new moon you can't see the moon? You knew that, of course, right? But did you know absolutely did you know that on a new moon the moon is full from God's perspective but it's dark on our side 15 days later it's full on our side and it's black on his side anyway the blood moon a tetrad would be four of these in a row it's pretty rare here's a Here's some dates when these blood moon tetrads occurred. In 1967, the Six Day War for Jerusalem. In 1948, uh, Israel gained its statehood. In 1492, all the Jews were expelled from Spain. It's interesting that as you go through, and by the way, um, this is coming from the NASA Eclipse website, where they can look back in history. They can calculate mathematically into the future. They know when all the eclipses were. So this is not some crackpot, some religious fanatic. These are historically verifiable situations of the moon. These are pretty significant. It is pretty interesting that if you look at some of the dates of the blood moon tetrad, it always seems that something's going on with Israel. Israel is either um, being attacked or something's happening. Um, here's uh, Here's the next blood moon tetrad. You might want to write this down. April 15th, 2014. October 8th, 2014. Then April 4th, a year later in 2015. And September 28th in 2015. That means nothing to us. Absolutely nothing. And the reason it means nothing is because we're using the calendar that we just looked at. But if we were to switch it into God's calendar, Passover 5774 to the day, Sukkot 5775, Passover 5775, and then Sukkot 5776. That's exciting. That's just a coincidence. That's just a coincidence. The fact that it happens so often on God's appointed times should give you chill bumps. If it doesn't, your chill bumper is busted. Now, the first time I gave this class, over three years ago, the beginning of 2009, when I put this up, the idea that there would be a blood moon tetrad in 2014 seemed like so far away most of the people in the class were starting to snooze. Gentlemen, we're in the middle of 2012. That's, that's two years Less than two years from today, we just had Passover some 46 days ago, right? So, Passover two years from now, there will be a blood moon. That's awesome. The next—that'll be the first one of a tetrad. The next time we get a blood moon will be Sukkot of the very next year, which as we know is right after uh, Rosh uh, Hashanah, right? And then in that same biblical year, Passover the following year, another one, and then Sukkot again. It's extraordinary. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. We can all get together together do a little pool, speculate, you know, bottle of wine on this, bottle of wine on that. Um, But the bottom line is, if you look back in time, and you read the book of Genesis, you know that God uses that moon as a sign for the seasons for his people. Okay, Pete. In God's calendar, is that the coolest deal or what? How long is that? He's wearing the suit and everything. Does he got a tie on? I mean, come on, that's just so cool. Yeah, he is. <laughs> In God's calendar, Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. He created a sanctuary in time. An amazing thing. A reminder to keep Shabbat, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of the Lord your God. The first commandment in Exodus chapter 12, and verse 2, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. That is the month of Nisan, some of the months were renamed after the Babylonian captivity. But uh, still, we know which one is first. Exodus 29, 29, verses 38 and 39. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar two one-year-old lambs each day continuously. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. This is part of God's calendar. So we have... The evening, the morning, the seven appointed times, the rest every seventh day, the first commandment telling us when the months will begin, and then we're to sacrifice twice each day. We call these tamid tamid offerings, which means continually, but they are called, the first one, shakarit and then minka, absolutely. Okay, Pete? That's a cool picture. Rest every seventh year. We just went through this. This very past uh, uh, portion, right, was uh, Leviticus 25, 3-5. through five, Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its crop. But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Shabbat rest, a Shabbat to the Lord. You shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. Your harvest after growth you shall not reap, and your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. The land shall have a sabbatical year. And uh, I'm still amazed at the uh, story you told last week or the week before or on Shabbat or whatever about the guy growing the vineyard in, yeah. uh, in the land. It was just a, a magnificent testimony.
4: Is a testimony. What's interesting is the next starts uh, starts in uh, biblical year 5775, which is. Uh, when wow. There are two of those blood moons in the next tetrad So you have a Shemitah with uh, you know at least half of that tetrad yes moon cycle occurring.
0: You're scaring me.
4: Well <laughs> so to to just to just to add another
1: to this.
0: Do it. Bring it on. But there it is we I have, I have from a good source that we don't know with confidence when the jubilee, when the everybody everybody familiar with the yovel, 50th right, year. the fiftieth, right, after seven um, sabbatical years, the next year after forty nine would be the yovel or fiftieth. It's exactly the same thing we're doing as we count the omer, right? We count seven sevens, forty nine, and the next day is Shavuot.
4: So. But there is some of the opinion that the last Yovel occurred, coincided with the Gregorian year, 1967. Uh Ah. Okay. So, which would mean if you add 50 years to that, the next Yovel would be 2017, if this theory is correct. Well, if the next Shemitah is falls on the calendar on the Gregorian calendar of 2015 to 2016, then the 50th year would fall 2016 to
0: 2017,
4: and that would be 50 years from the 60s from 1967, uh, when they recaptured Jerusalem. So there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that suggests uh, there's some interesting things that are on the, literally
0: on the, on the horizon. Unbelievable. So we could have a Shemitah year at the beginning of these blood moons, right, which is on the... Leads into yes, the Yovel. <laughs> and the... Didn't we talk about it on Shabbat? This is the last trump. We, we announce, or the Sanhedrin would announce the Yovel year. On what day? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. So we blow the shofar for Rosh Hashanah. And then ten days later, we would blow the shofar again. Only done once every 50 years. On Yom HaKippurim, the Day of Atonement's to announce the beginning of the Yovel year starting at the end of Sukkot. If the if the Master
4: the,
0: will descend with a shout...
4: indicates to me, at least the way I read it, that Mashiach returns in the year on a Yovel.
0: It works. Well,
4: no question it's young people, because that's when his... Touch the mount of That's when he physically returns to him. Yeah. And I think when when Yeshua was
3: given the scroll of Isaiah, he's reading from chapter 60. Um, that the context is Yovel.
0: He's proclaiming right? the, 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 the year. acceptable year of the Lord, right?
3: And, and he stops. I mean, mid sentence. So he's, he's got us on the cliff, so to speak.
0: That's right. So. It's it's exciting, guys. Now. If it doesn't happen this Yovel (laughs) God willing and by His grace I will live to be a hundred and fifty-five. Yes?
2: So
4: Yeshua's feet would touch on a Yom Kippur?
0: That's my my current Okay. Because the view that I've held is that uh,
4: He returns on Yom Teruah Day of the awakening blast, uh, I, I have a different take on that. Okay,
0: that's a different class. Yeah. We will we will look at that because they're are the only two times where we would be blowing traditionally blowing the shofar, um, blowing it though when when Paul says in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter first Thessalonians chapter four and verses thirteen through eighteen when he says that he will. At the last trump. Right. The trumpet of God. First uh, Corinthians 15 has the last trump. So does, um, so does Thessalonians
4: chapter four.
0: Yeah. So, it's first, Thessalonians chapter first, 4. First Thessalonians right. Thessalonians so, First Thessalonians 4. First Corinthians 15 is the last trump of God. If he's coming back on Rosh Hashanah, And it's a Yovel. There's another Trump. But anyway, it's all speculation and it sounds fabulous. Um, here's the Yovel here, Leviticus 25, verses 8 and 9, you are also to count off seven Shabbats of years, or seven, literally, seven sevens of years for yourself, seven times seven years, so that you have the time of the seven Sabbaths of years, namely 49 years, you shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month on the day of atonement. You shall sound a horn all through your land. It's exciting. All right. Well, let's do the quick comparison here. <laughs> Um, sorry let us do a comparison a, a good comparison of the church's calendar with God's calendar on the church's calendar we worship first day of the week and then we work on God's calendar we work and then we rest a little different on the church's calendar we are filled with pagan months named after pagan gods In God's calendar, we have scriptural months. Now, I recognize that some of the months are named after Babylonian gods, but they are still scriptural, not made up by man. On the church's calendar, we obviously have a solar focus. On God's calendar, we have a lunar focus. It is a moon-centered calendar.
4: On the the issue, because you get that argument or that question why do we have the month of town?'re
0: Right, yeah.
4: And uh, at least one of the explanations from the is that they, the names were changed when we were in the Galut Batli and when we came out of Galut Batli the decision was consciously made to leave the names uh, to, the, to the new names Right. As a constant reminder
1: of exile, meaning we, we don't want to go back to exile with
4: pagan gods and whatever. And one of the explanations Hazal gives is that by leaving the pagan names, it's a constant reminder. Yeah, it's, it's
1: almost
0: a slap because in the face.
4: existence is so, so oriented around different events in the calendar that we're constantly
0: remembering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tammuz, you bet. And, and I, I just think it's a slap in the face to just, oh, wake up. You know?
3: um,
4: going back to the uh, 50th year, mm. to, you know, uh, I heard this somewhere that um, one of the teachings that um, when, when, when it's said in the Scripture that uh, a man shall not live more than 120 you know, years or whatever, uh,
3: I heard that that could be 150, I mean, 120 uh UofL, because if you take that together multiply, it. if you take 50 multiply it by 120, 6,000 years.
0: Hmm. Which is when oh, That's, that's 10, those 6, are the 6, days 000. of man. Right. That's Good, that's cool. 50 and by Ooh, by Ooh. That, I, I, that's, 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 that's cool. I shared that with
1: Rabbi Pell when
0: he was here. Uh-huh. And, because... As I was driving at home
4: uh, after the thing here, we got into a discussion about the Yobel. Right. You know, and it was in that discussion he said, Well, we we're not certain because we lost the track of when the Yobel is, but we know when the Shemitah is, just do the know is it's the seventh Shemitah. Right. You know, um, <clears throat> so it led to a discussion, and I mentioned that verse from Genesis chapter 6, where God tells Noah, the days of Adam will be 120 years. And so the question is, how do you interpret that? Because you can't interpret it literally. Right. Because at the time of Noah, men were living much longer than 120. Absolutely. Today, we don't get there, you know. Uh, so, it can't be taken literally. Uh, and so there's there's Two explanations, both of which I think are right or have merit. One is that there was when, he, when God made the statement, He was telling Noah, hundred and twenty years from today, will the flood comes." Right. In other words, the days of Adam, mankind, right, will be hundred and twenty.
0: Then we can years. cut you off. So,
4: 120 years from the time He says that, boom, flood comes, game over. The other understanding is that there, that and it could be a double meaning, is that he was saying there'll be 120, When he says years. He's he's inferring yovels, which is uh, six equivalent to six thousand years. Well, I shared that with uh, Jeremy. Jeremy. He, it was funny. You were like you were there. He, he's he sits back and he's thinking. He's like, I never heard that. But I like it. Yeah, <laughs> but I like
0: it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, cool. It is. Yeah, it's, we'll, we'll see what God's going to do. Your church calendar is made of man-made holidays. No matter how you look at it, that's the bottom line. God's calendar is made up of appointment times of God. And again, I want to reiterate, these are not Jewish holidays. They're not necessarily even best described as biblical holidays but God's appointed times, God's holidays, right? In the church's calendar, we have one meeting each week. As a discipler of men, I could not understand, how is it? I got this guy straight this day, and before we meet again, he's already messed up. He's, he's fallen off the wagon, as it were. He's, he's uh, gone by the wayside. Yet, if you look at God's calendar and you count this weekly Shabbat, these two times of meeting for prayer and sacrifice each day, and you put in these seven appointed times in the year, each week you're going to meet at least 15 times. At least Fifteen times. If there happens to be a rosh kodesh, as there is this week, if there happens to be a uh, an appointed time, you're going to be over the fifteen. It's incredible. One verses fifteen. We're wondering why men cannot maintain their righteousness and their walk in one meeting to the next with the church.
3: Absolutely. And it's a
0: necessity if you're that active together. You bet. And if we look back in time, it's a sad commentary on the church. And it's an amazing commentary on the Jewish mindset. As you see, the recidivism rate, the falling away rate of young people in the church, it's astronomical, close to 100% in Orthodox Judaism it's statistically uncountable. That's amazing. Same thing with divorce.
2: I was just going to say that also demonstrates the need for the constant reminders that we have in keeping God's commandments. Like Zitzi. That's uh, right, you bet. Just throughout your day you have so many reminders that are just right there.
0: And these are reminding us of whose we are. Yeah. Who we serve.
2: It's not a.
0: WWJD wristband. That's exactly right, yeah. Which may get waterlogged and gross with uh, other stuff. Okay. Um, this is interesting. The church calendar has five days of work and then a week end. <laughs> Gotta love those homophones. Whereas God's calendar is six days of work and one day of rest. Yeah, it makes sense that you don't
3: or they have worked weekly, but a bunch of other holidays and festive occasions, right? So you're, you're, you're
0: not losing any ground. No. Time. And in fact, <laughs> truth be told, if you look at the, uh, the race across our continent back in the day of the gold rush, right? Uh, the uh, Oregon Trail, uh, as we know. When the uh, wagon trains took off from the East Coast, heading for the West Coast for fame, fortune, and the gold rush, those wagon trains that stopped to rest on the Sabbath, whether they rested on Saturday, the Sabbath, or Sunday, the Lord's Day, if they if they moved for six and rested for one, verses just all out going at it seven days in a row. They ended up arriving in California some three weeks ahead of those who did the seven-day run. Historically, we can demonstrate that from our own country. I'd like to show you now uh, my depiction of God's model. Um, We have uh, a little difference now. Before you, if you recall... uh, in the silver hue. Um, We had Sunday at the top, beginning the week, and then six days following. But here we have the work week beginning, six days, and then Shabbat. This is then followed by 12 or 13 lunar months, Rosh Kodesh, celebrating the beginning of the month, which is an appointed time, and a time for us to celebrate God's favor towards us. Then we have not three weird pagan holidays, but literally seven appointed times of God with Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles in the English. In the Hebrew, Pesach, uh, uh, Chag HaMatzot, Shavuot, uh, uh, Bechorim, Shavuot, uh, Yom Teruah, Yom HaKippurim, and then Sukkot, right? And then, the sabbatical year would be every seven years, and then finally, every seven, times seven, 49, and then a Jubilee year. An amazing and robust uh, calendar filled within daily times of prayer at the nine and three hour amazing truly amazing as you bring it through okay I, I just think it 's robust compared to the little wimpy thing we saw before.
4: Associated each month, each lunar month with one of the tribes. Hmm. Um, and there's a there's a there's a great book called Wisdom in the Hebrew Months. It's available on Archwall. Uh, and it goes through, and it, and it's it's about 12 chapters, you know, one for each each month. <laughs> and each month it talks about the link between month and tribe that's associated with it and, and they
0: scripturally and
4: they show Ugh. scripture how they get there and um, there's some cool there's some cool just some cool stuff some neat insights so yeah. if you're interested
0: what's the name of that book wisdom in
4: the Hebrew months wisdom in the Hebrew Sv- months Svi Svi I can't remember his last name but his first name is Svi there's also a wisdom in the Hebrew Alphabet. which
0: is yes. also yes yeah, yes cool all right, well, let's do a little comparison now, shall we? We've got the church calendar, which you've seen is based on the sun and pretty much leaves man to himself quite a bit. And then we've got the Hebrew calendar. Well, I mean, I'm not making it up. I mean, I made the graphics, but it, it really is extraordinary, the difference in how God wants to be involved with his people. And how that interaction, John, uh, Jonathan, as you said, with community happens so much more than here. That's really, it's its, it's truly astonishing. Great. I just have a quick time. Just seeing these two side by side, it really makes the difference to me uh,
1: between religion and a way of life.
0: I like that. Yeah, it
2: really does. I mean, its it's amazing the stark
1: difference
0: I would say that your comment is, for me, a life maker. Not a deal breaker, but a life maker. That, that this is a stark contrast. And, you know, I'm, I, just, I think about the way we live in the church and, and what the church is providing to its people. And it, wimpy is the word that comes to mind. And there's, it's no wonder that uh, the rate of uh, excellentness... Recidivism. Of that, right, is, uh, is happening at a record high. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, this, is this is a visual prompting that um, if we want to come up with a new religion, a new way to practice the faith and distance ourselves from God's religion, God's faith, then it seems kind of wimpy. Yeah, that one kind of fell away. Um, We need to live in both worlds. And... um, You'll notice uh, here in January, I, like I said, I, I, I gave this class in January of 2009. You can see Mary's birthday on the 25th. You might want to write that down in case you want to send her something. Um, you can notice in my calendar, this is my, my personal calendar, uh, I have each one of the portions, the name of the portion and the reference that needs to be read for that parasha. Um, this is placed on my Outlook calendar automatically by the Moadim software product that Rick Spurlock provides on Bereans Online for free. All you have to do is download, run the product, and say, add these things to my calendar, and it will add it for the, for the month that you have open in your calendar. Now, I'm, I've become, unfortunately, I know it's scary, but a Mac guy. Um, but you know what? I will set up Outlook on a Windows computer just to get this to go into my calendar. And then get rid of it. Moadim for the Mac? No,
3: I'm
0: saying they have Outlook. They have Outlook, but Moadim is a Windows computer. It is a Windows product. So, yeah, I realize I'm running it. So, uh, at any rate. Is that, did Rick write that? He wrote that, yes, sir. Not only did he write it, but if you click on this particular appointment, the entire text of that portion is in that Calendar option.
3: It's unbelievable.
0: Shocking. Shocking. So I I want to help you to recognize um, that there is uh, Hebcal, H-E-B-C-A-L, Hebcal, right, Uh, .org, I think it is, or Hebcal.com is available on the web. And whether you're Windows or Mac, you can download all the Hebrew dates, in Hebrew or in English, and all of the Hebrew holidays, write to your Outlook calendar, to your Mac calendar, Mac mail, or your Google calendar. Yep. So it will do all of them. Yes! Yeah. Yeah, just say, <laughs> We're meeting on <a> Tishri, what? <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
4: laughs>
0: Unbelievable. So... Um, We've got two references and two, two resources we just gave you. One is HeapCal.com, I think it is, where you can actually download and subscribe to the Jewish calendars. And that's the Jewish calendar of holidays, the Jewish calendar in, uh, for each day in Hebrew or the Jewish calendar each day in English. And the second uh, resource is, uh, is at where you can download for free Moadim, M-O-A-D-I-M. That's written by Rick Spurlock, and it will put the portion name, reference, and
2: text
0: for every portion for the year. For those
2: androids around. Yes. I don't know if there are any in the room or not, but Hebrew... Just search Hebrew calendar in and yeah. the Android market. It's called Hebrew calendar, and it's a widget. Yeah. that it actually shows up on the home screen. It's really, really nifty because you can click on it, and it'll give you this moment time for the day, showing yes. all of the times and the latest Shema you can say and all that. And then it has all of the feasts and everything. It reminds you of what day of the Omer it is. It reminds you if it's um, Rosh Hashanah. It's else, got a different. Rosh or not.
0: It's got a couple of different ways you can present it. And I, I put it on a whole page, so I moved over in the Android to get it in the whole page. when I had my a
2: little: Yeah,
0: popped up. Yeah. Bop, yeah. Um, heap, HeapCal.com will allow you to download your calendar also to your Google calendar, and it will show up on your Android as well. So it really doesn't matter what you use. you've got no excuse to know that today is what's today's date? One. Sivan, one. Or if you're old school like me, you just go online and buy an actual like, paper
1: calendar. I actually have those. You can just cross <laughs> just them off, them. And, uh, and it'll it'll be parallel.
0: Okay. You you could do that. You you could you could do that with a paper calendar, you know. But of course you. And you, you can tell the guys that do that because they've got this rolled up thing in their back pocket as they're going out. But no, no, yes. That's the Stone That's right, yeah, that's right. Um, but clearly, I think as God's people, we should know, as I think everyone in this room does, today is Sivan 1. Today is Rosh Kodesh. Last evening should have been a celebration between us and God. The Yanu prayer to thank Him for bringing us to this season, for giving us yet another month of life, another month with our children, our grandchildren. We should recognize that today is the 46th day of the Omer, and that we've got four more days, and it will be a festival unto the Lord. And we should recognize, after Shavuot, we've got that that regular rhythm, of righteousness that God has put in writing for us, and we should be cognizant of those things. We shouldn't be surprised. It's the noobs that should be surprised. Oh, oh, it's it's Rosh Hashanah. I I didn't get off. I forgot to ask to get off that day. How'd you forget to get off? you <laughs> forgot to get off. You forgot to get off. Didn't you ask for all the holidays off at the beginning of the year? What are you doing this month by month or day by day? What's up with that? Take the you know, your model
1: there, and then if you were to also think about, for example, like what we're doing now, counting the
0: Yes. So between Pesach and Shavuot, we're counting every day. We got this daily
4: reminder. You know. Then we get to uh, you know thirty days before Rosh Hashanah,
0: we come to a. Elul. Morning, and then every morning.
4: So you know, throw Hanukkah and Purim in there, which are biblical holidays. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, you know, and then you throw in, in the fast days.
0: Right. Fast right. Days. We've got four or five of those. Yeah,
4: I mean, it's it's uh, it's an action packed
0: every single month. it's Got single, something.
4: Every single month, and sometimes every single day. Every single
0: That's month. right. That's right. Now, now he just said that he just said that Hanukkah and Purim were biblical holidays. Johnny, how can it be that he said, I thought Leviticus 23 had all the biblical holidays, but I didn't say anything about Hanukkah and Purim, Johnny. Johnny, tell me, what's up with that, bud?
4: Are you going to read the rest of the tonight? No,
0: it's in the Bible! That's why they're biblical holidays. So, what's the deal, Greg? Purim. Well, where am I going to read about
3: that? the
0: book of Esther. And I think we're going to be reading that you know, like four days, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, the book of Ruth, right. Yeah. Book of Ruth. All right, so Esther at Purim. Yes. Well, what about, P, what about Hanukkah? Is that in the Bible? Yeah, that would
2: be in our Greek scriptures.
0: In our Greek scriptures, our, the apostolic writings? Yeah. Well, why would I see that? I'm going to see the word Hanukkah? Is that start with a C-H or an H? Yeah, it starts with a C-H.
3: You're probably going to see Feast of Dedication.
0: Or Feast of? Lights, good, yes. Where would I read about the details of Hanukkah? Maccabees, right? Right, in your Dewey Bible, the Catholic Bible, you're going to find in what's called the Apocrypha, right? The intertestamental books. And as Rabbi Daniel Lappin points out in
2: his audio 25.8, he That's shows true. where's the, if, if you were looking in the Torah for Hanukkah. Where would you look? Of course, you would look after Sukkot because that's the last one, and then that's the
0: seventh feast. Exactly.
2: So, and then so he shows. Well, what, let's just look at and right in the beginning of Leviticus 24 is the whole description of the menorah, which is relating right to Hanukkah. Right
0: to light. That's exactly right. Yeah, 25:8 is a great CD. If you don't have it, borrow mine. Uh, buy it from uh, from Daniel. It's uh, it's a great stuff. All right. Good review. Most of us should have known that, but actually, it was my intent to show that to the two or three guys that are noobs. And who didn't make it tonight? The noobs. Yeah. Well, you know what can you do? So, all right. So we'll uh, we've got it recorded, and we'll move on from there. Our next hour uh, will not start with a uh, with the Obama years, but uh, with. Uh, something else that I'd like us to take a look at and that is your life so we'll uh, we'll come back to that in a second